Texas Trees is the premier tree care company in the DFW area. Whether you need basic maintenance or specialized services, when it comes to trees, we've got you covered. Pruning, chipping, bracing, and cabling, even root barriers and disease control, we do it all. And if you aren't sure what you need, we have certified arborists on staff to point you in the right direction. Visit us at NorthTexasTrees.net. That's NorthTexasTrees.net. Good morning and welcome back. This is Parker Keene's MMA show. This is episode number 15. In this week's episode, we are going to go over some huge, huge fight news that went down in the MMA and boxing world this week, as well as look back to the Bellator card that went down in London last weekend. And we're going to talk a lot about the huge boxing fight that took place last weekend where Deontay Wilder viciously knocked out Luis Ortiz in their rematch. Let's get into it. Welcome to Parker's MMA show. If you want to learn about all things going down in the fight world, you've come to the right place. Each episode, your host Parker Keene will take a deeper dive into the always entertaining world of sanctioned fist fighting. Now here's your host, Parker Keene. Before we get started, I'd really appreciate it if everyone would take a look down in the show notes and give me a like, subscription, share it with your friends, and let's keep this train rolling. So, all right, getting started this week, I want to first talk about the huge boxing fight went down this weekend. Um, I was really looking forward to this. This was Luis Ortiz and Deontay Wilder in their rematch of a fight they had a year ago in which Deontay Wilder knocked out Ortiz late after getting hurt early. So I was really looking forward to this fight. You know, just the heavyweight division right now is just completely stacked. It's it's better than it's been in, you know, probably a decade since the Mike Tyson, uh, Holyfield, Lennox Lewis era. So things are really starting to heat up here in the heavyweight division. And this was a gigantic fight. There was a lot riding on this fight. Obviously, Wilder, we've talked about in previous episodes, has... A giant payday lined up with Tyson Fury in early 2020. They're slotted for uh, February 22nd of 2020. And he had to get past Luis Ortiz this past weekend. And Luis Ortiz is a guy that no one wants to fight in the boxing world. I've heard him compared a lot to Yoel Romero. How Yoel Romero, you know, in the MMA world is just a super dangerous fight that no one wants to take. You know, Ortiz is a guy that's had over 500 amateur fights. He's an incredible boxer. You know, I, I think he can be competitive with any of the top heavyweights right now. You know, Tyson Fury, Wilder, Andy Ruiz, and Anthony Joshua. You know, I think Luis Ortiz spots in right right there with those guys. So this was a super dangerous fight for Wilder. You know, the the fight started... Relatively slow. Wilder had a super entertaining walkout where he has this ridiculous costume on with diamond mask and diamond shoulder blades and all kinds of crazy shit. He looked like Xerxes from 300. Uh, if you haven't got a chance to see his walkout, you should definitely check that out. But he had, you know, just a super long, dramatic, drawn out walkout. Luis Ortiz got in there pretty quick and looked like he was ready to go. So... Yeah, I mean, the fight kind of went how I said it would last week. You know, I thought Luis Ortiz would outbox Wilder again just because he's he's the better boxer. I mean, he's a much, much, you know, better just overall boxer. He's more well-rounded. He's, his combos are sharper. His fundamentals, his footwork, everything. But like I said last week, when you're fighting Deontay Wilder, you have to be perfect for 12 rounds. He has to be perfect for one second. That's all it takes. One clean right and you are knocked the fuck out. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, the fight was slow. You know, the crowd was starting to get, I think, a little agitated probably around the fourth or fifth round that it was moving so slow. And that's how it goes. Luis Ortiz, he's, you know, night and day a better overall boxer. But, I mean, you can't let it go against Deontay Wilder. If you make one slip up. I mean, you're getting knocked out. So, you know, the first six rounds, I mean, to me, were really dominated by Ortiz, even though it was close. I mean, Wilder just really wasn't doing anything. You know, Ortiz was just 
walking him down. He he didn't really make solid contact, but he hit him a couple times good. And, you know, I was confused that the judges, whoever was the ringside judges for Fox, I mean, they had it like 50-50 round-wise going, going into the six. And I just, I mean, I didn't see how they had that at all. That didn't make any sense. So, I mean, the first six rounds are pretty much all Ortiz. And then the seventh round comes around. Wilder starts to pick it up a little bit. And, I mean, he uncorks a fucking nuclear missile. And it's just a perfect one-two. Hits Luis Ortiz. It was almost above his eye, like kind of on his forehead. And both of his knees buckle. His head just snaps back. The 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 replay of the knockout is just unbelievable. You just see sweat flying everywhere. I mean, Luis Ortiz is a big dude, and it completely buckled him, stunned him, knocked him down. And that was it. He couldn't recover. He was out, and that's all she wrote. But that that's how dangerous Deontay Wilder is. I mean, he's he can put you away at any point in the fight. He's similar to like Francis Ngannou in MMA. I mean, these guys aren't going to be the most polished fighters or boxers, you know, but they just have something that you can't teach. I mean, you're not going to develop. You're never going to catch up to their power. They have freakish, God-given power, and that's all it takes. So that's what makes, you know, guys like that exciting. And I think in Deontay Wilder, I mean, we've got, you know, we've got a very, very special heavyweight on our hands. And it's getting to the point where he's going to be must-watch TV. You know, he's getting the buzz that a Mike Tyson did, you know, in his prime when he was just knocking everyone out. So, yeah, I mean, great, unbelievable win for Deontay Wilder. You know, his sights are on becoming the undisputed heavyweight champion. So the next two, three years, I mean, we're going to have gigantic fights. He's going to fight Tyson Fury, which, you know, those guys fought to a draw where Tyson Fury pretty much dominated the whole fight. And then Deontay Wilder caught him late and, I mean, looked like he absolutely murdered Fury and Fury rose from the dead like a zombie. So, yeah, I mean, no one's been able to handle Deontay Wilder's power. He's, I think he's 40, 42 and 0 with the one draw to to Tyson Fury out of those wins, he's got 41 knockouts. I mean, that is unbelievable. They put up a stat. I think he has a 95% finish rate in his fights. So yeah, I mean, Deontay Wilder is becoming a gigantic star and I have a lot of respect for him. You know, he's a guy, he's not shying away from hard fights. You know, you've seen Tyson Fury. He He's fought a couple bums in between, his fight, his last fight with Deontay Wilder, you know, he got challenged in that Otto Wallen fight. But, you know, Otto Wallen, Tom Swartz, two of those guys that, you know, people have never heard of. Same thing with, you know, Anthony Joshua. He's been known to just fight guys to boost his record, and he steers away from the hard fights. Deontay Wilder wants to fight everyone. He wants to knock everyone out. And he wants to be the greatest knockout artist of all time. That's why I think he's becoming a huge, huge fan favorite. And man, he's just, he's so fun to watch. That fight, although people, you know, maybe, you know, regular fans or whatever watching that fight say, oh, that's a boring fight. You know, he didn't do anything till the seventh round. For me, it was, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. I mean, the tension was was so so crazy i i just knew at any moment if he uncorked that right hand it could be game over and that's what happened in the seventh you know and um i saw a guy on twitter let me see what he said uh rj clifford he's a he's a reporter but he said that right hand was a 20 million dollar right hand and it was i mean that sets up a gigantic money fight with tyson fury um, I know it's relatively short turnaround. It's, you know, three to four months. But the buildup to that is going to be awesome. You know, both of those guys are are great at selling fights and selling themselves. And, I mean, really, those guys, they're, they're kind of each other's kryptonite right now. I mean, I, I think Tyson Fury beats both Anthony Joshua and Andy Ruiz. Um, 
I think Deontay Wilder knocks out both of those guys. So to me, I mean, the best heavyweights in the world right now are Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Um, And they're going to fight. And it's right around the fucking corner. So I am absolutely pumped for that. Um, That's going to be a huge, huge payday for those guys. And they deserve it. Um, You know, yeah, I I don't know. Um, For Tyson Fury, I I think he's probably going to have you know, a similar game plan as Luis Ortiz did. You know, you just go go in there and you want to outbox Wilder because, you know, Tyson Fury's, you know, he's got, he's 6'9", Wilder 6'7". So Fury's going to have the reach. Um, his boxing boxing ability skills, you know, they're, they're just night and day compared to Deontay Wilder. So for me, Tyson Fury's got to go in there. He's got to outbox Wilder, he's got to control the fight, and he's got to stay away from that right hand. I mean, it's a simple, simple game plan, and he did it for 95% of their first fight, but you saw what happened in that 12th round. I mean, Wilder, his power never fades. He can knock you out in the first round, or he can knock you out in the 12th round. So, for me, it's a very, very simple game plan for Tyson Fury to get this win, and for him to move on to the next fight. But with Wilder, he's his right hand's just an X factor. I mean, it can come out of nowhere. It can come at any point in the fight. It can end the fight at any point in the fight. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm super, super pumped from the, for this rematch. I mean, Tyson Fury is the only man that Wilder has not knocked out. You know, he he rose from the dead after that knock, knockdown and he's been the only guy that has been able to get up. Everyone else goes to sleep. So yeah, I'm really, really excited for the rematch. Um, apparently ESPN and Fox are going to co-promote this fight. So I think the buildup's going to be pretty good. Um, you know, you've got two media powerhouses that are going to get behind this and really build it up. I'm sure they'll pour a ton of money into it, but this is going to be a gigantic fight for both of these guys, um, and it's going to keep this heavyweight division rolling. Um, so, yeah, that that is tentatively booked for February 22nd, I believe. I think it's going to be in Las Vegas. Um, so really looking forward to that. And like I said, I mean, that's going to move with the big fights we've got coming up in MMA, and then you've got um, Joshua Andy Ruiz coming up. I mean, that's right around the corner. So really looking forward to that. Um, Briefly, I want to talk about Andy Ruiz and Anthony Joshua. Um, We'll dive into this further probably next week. I think this fight is two weeks out. Let me see. It is going down on December 7th. Yeah, the stadium they built for this looks ridiculous. They're calling it the Clash on the Dunes. Um, It's a 15,000-seat arena that they built in Saudi Arabia somewhere. Um, and the pictures look really cool. So yeah, they build this gigantic stadium. Um, yeah, Anthony Joshua is looking to regain his WBA, WBO, IBF, and IBO heavyweight titles from Ruiz, who shocked the world with a seventh round TKO of Joshua back in June of this year. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was probably one of the biggest upsets in and I mean, modern day boxing history. Um, you know, I think Andy Ruiz took that fight on 10 days notice or something like that and came out there and really shocked the world. He looks just like a, you know, an average kind of fat guy. (laughs) And Anthony Joshua looks like a Greek God. And Andy Ruiz just came in there and did absolute work on Joshua. Joshua hurt him early He tried to finish the fight. He got caught by Andy Ruiz, and then he was never able to recover. So this is going to be a really big fight, Um, you know, for for these guys. I mean, both of them have the opportunity to make a huge splash here. So, you know, the winner of this is obviously going to get the winner of Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder. So this is a huge fight, but it'll be going down on December 7th. Really, really looking forward to this. Alrighty, so moving on from um, the boxing world, we're going to switch back over to MMA. So 
Last week, Bellator had a card in London, headlined by Michael Venom Page. He took on a Italian fighter named Molino. Um, he was scheduled originally to fight Derek Anderson, and then Derek Anderson had an injury. And this Molino guy took this fight on maybe 10 days notice. He had a decent record, you know, 13-2. and two. Uh, But it's a terrible spot to be thrown in against Michael Venom Page, who's one of the most dangerous, unpredictable, just hard to pin, pinpoint and, and get to. I mean, he's just a, one of the best strikers in MMA at the moment. He's probably one of the most challenging people to prepare for, period. So to expect a guy that's never, you know, headlined a big UFC or Bellator card to step in on 10 days notice against Michael Venom Page, I mean, what the fuck do you expect is going to happen? He's going to get viciously knocked out. Michael Venom Page is going to get another gigantic highlight reel knockout. And then there's going to be a lot of criticism on Bellator and the matchmaking and all of that. So, yeah, that happened again. Um, Michael Venom Page gets just a vicious, vicious knockout at 147 of the first round. You know, it's a tough spot for Bellator to be in. Michael Venom Page is obviously one of their biggest stars. He's coming off of, you know, last year he had... You know, a boring fight with Paul Daly where there was a giant buildup for that fight. And it was just kind of a snoozer. Paul Daly tried to wrestle him and it, it was just a boring fight. I was actually at that fight. Uh, Michael Venom Page wins by decision and advances on in the welterweight tournament. He gets m- matched up against Douglas Lima, who is now the current champion. Um, gets viciously knocked out where he slips and Douglas Lima just hits him with a vicious shot and shuts the lights off. So you've got one of your biggest stars gets knocked out viciously on a huge, huge stage. And where do you go from there? You have to build a guy back up, obviously. Um, so, you know, I was okay with the first fight. He fought an Irishman, um, Richard Keeley, I believe, on the Dublin card. And he just absolutely outclassed this guy made him look like he did not belong in that ring with him. Um, You know, he looked unbelievable. That was the fight where he got into it with Big Dan, the referee, and he's taunting the guy when he's on top of him, you know, ground and pounding him. He's acting like he's taking a cell phone call, and then he knocks him out with a crazy flying knee. So, um, yeah, I I don't know. It's, you know, it's a hard spot for Bellator to be in. I mean, A – you know, these top-level fighters, I mean, a lot of them don't want to fight Michael Venom Page. He's a hard guy to match up. And then, I mean, you're not going to get a quality opponent. No one in the top 10 in Bellator is going to step in and fight Michael Venom Page on 10 days' notice. It's just not realistic. It's not going to happen, period. Um, you know, there's been a lot of criticism that he's getting, you know, tune-up fights after being knocked out by Douglas Lima. But, I mean, I totally understand it. You got to build the guy back up. You got to get his confidence back up. I mean, he's a huge star for you, especially in the European market. Um, you know, there's there's no one really, maybe James Gallagher coming up from Ireland. But over in Europe, I mean, Michael Venom Page can headline a card anywhere and it'll be a huge success for Bellator. So, you know, one one side of the spectrum, they've got to kind of protect him and build him back up and you know, build buzz behind him by getting these vicious knockouts, but eventually he's going to have to start fighting the best of the best. So he's kind of at a, a, you know, spot in his career. I think he's 17 and one. Um, I, I listened to, to big John and Josh Thompson. They have a podcast, I think called weighing in. Um, but John, big John, uh, legendary referee in the UFC, Bellator everywhere, um, made a great point. He said, listen, you know, when Anderson Silva came over to the UFC, his record was about the same, you know, and he had fought a lot of guys that, you know, you had never heard of. And, you know, he was fighting in smaller organizations, whatever. Um, but it's very comparable to where MVP is. Um, and I, I think, you know, MVP is just getting going in his MMA career. Um, you know, he's still a young guy. He hasn't taken hardly any damage besides that one knockout to Douglas Lima. 
So I think he's a guy that's going to be around for the next, you know, six, seven, eight years, and he's going to make a huge splash, and he's going to go on a run. And I think everyone just needs to hang in there. I mean, um, yeah, yeah. MVP, I mean, he's a a once-in-a-lifetime just fighter. Just the way he fights, his knockout reels, his the way he talks shit, his celebrations, the way he carries himself, um, you know, him on the mic, everything. He's he's uh, just an unbelievable fighter. And it's some, someone who I think Bellator is going to protect a little bit, but eventually he's going to have to fight these top guys. He's going to have to fight Douglas Lima again. He's going to have to fight Rory McDonald. You know, he's going to have to fight the Logan Storley, Neiman Gracie, Paul Daly, John Finches of the world. Um, And that's coming, you know. Um, What's next for him? You know, I'd like to see him fight Derek Anderson. I think Derek Anderson's a tough guy. He's a guy that fought most of his career at 155, but never really been finished by anyone. Um, So that would be an interesting fight. If if not Derek Anderson, you know, you've got, um, like I said, Logan Storley, um, who's a phenomenal wrestler. That would be an interesting matchup. Neiman Gracie, um, you know, one of the Gracies, phenomenal jiu-jitsu guy, um, had a great fight with Rory McDonald. Um, the Paul Daly fight would be fun. You know, the, the first one was kind of a dud, but that could be a really fun fight that they could, you know, sell very easy and have it over in London or, you know, somewhere in England where both of those guys are from. I think that would be a gigantic fight. And then you've got like John Finch is over there. John Finch is a phenomenal wrestler. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what he would do against those wrestlers or someone with a super high caliber of jiu-jitsu like Neiman Gracie. Um, so I think he'll take one more fight, you know, with guys kind of in that range. And then after that, I think it's back to the top. I think it's Douglas Lima, Rory McDonald. Those are the guys he needs to be chasing. So, yeah, I mean... For MVP, he can only fight who they match him up with. Like I said, I mean, in Bellator, I mean, they've got to protect their investment. MVP is a guy that could sell out arenas for the next, you know, five to ten years. So, yeah, it would be interesting to see what they do with him next. Um, You know, you had Paul Daly was kind of trolling him and calling him out, saying that, you know, you can't continuously beat these type of opponents. Yes, he knocks them out, but he's expected to knock them out. What does this prove? The fact that he can knock out a guy nobody will remember, it proves nothing. Nothing at all. Why didn't he knock me out? Why didn't he knock out Douglas Lima? Because he's not of that caliber. Um, I mean, I, I disagree. I, I think he is of that caliber. You know, Douglas Lima, to me, is one of the best fighters at welterweight in the entire world. So, yeah. You know, I think MVP's next fight, he fought four or five times this year. So I would imagine he'll take a little bit of time off and then he'll be right back in the fire. I mean, he can't, he can't, and Bellator can't keep him away from top competition uh, for too long. I mean, he's got to get in there, he's got to fight. And if he wants to be the best, he's got to fight these guys. And, you know, I, I think that's what will happen. So, yeah, that was. That was a big fight on the Bellator card. Um, We had Fabian Edwards defeated Mike Shipman. Um, That was a close fight. Fabian Edwards is the little brother, I believe, of Leon Edwards, who's a uh, top top UFC welterweight. Um, Yeah, that was kind of a, a close fight. I think they said they'll be running that fight back. Um, Soren Bach, the Viking, he's got a, uh, awesome walkout where he wears a Viking outfit and carries an ax. That's pretty intense. If you've never seen that, but he defeated, uh, Terry Brazer by unanimous decision. Um, that was pretty much it. I mean, not, not a huge card for Bellator, just, you know, a card they can throw MVP on as the headline and, you know, sell out. So, yeah, not not a giant card there. Um, all right, so that was pretty much it for the fights last weekend, and there's not really any fights going on this weekend. Um, I think UFC, Bellator are all off. Um, next week, there's a fight between Alistair Overeem and uh, that 
Jorinho, Rosenstruck. So we'll we'll cover that a little bit next week. And then we'll start looking forward to um, Joshua versus Ruiz, too. And then also the UFC 245 is going down on December, what is that, the 14th. So a couple big couple fights coming up, you know, big fights coming up in the next couple weeks. Uh, pretty slow this weekend. So, all right, let's move along. I want to get into uh, some current events. So let's get started with probably some of the bigger news in the fight world this year or this last couple weeks. Um, we had Floyd Mayweather. So Floyd Mayweather, one of the biggest trolls of all time. Um, you know, Floyd is a master of keeping his name in the headlines. He's 42 years old, about to be 43. And anytime he says anything, he still, you know, gets top of the news, gets covered by everywhere. And it's a big deal. So, um, you know, I think it was probably two weeks ago, Floyd had released a statement basically saying he's retired. He will never fight again, blah, 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 blah. And then a week later, all over Instagram and Twitter, you've got Floyd Mayweather sitting with Dana White at a Celtics game, I believe. And then I think the next day, he puts out a post and says, the return, 2020. So, of course, everyone jumps on this. Um, you know, and, and Floyd... He's always been great about this, but anything he says, he knows how to manipulate the media, spin everything, you know, work the media to build up gigantic fights and gigantic paydays for himself. I mean, he is the highest paid fighter of all time for a reason. He's not a dumb guy. He's very intelligent, knows how to market himself, knows how to get buzz going. And that's what he's doing, you know, um, yeah, so Zufa Boxing, Dana White, the president and CEO of the UFC, has been hinting at launching Zufa Boxing. So Zufa Boxing would be, you know, Dana White's boxing organization. He thinks, you know, there's a lot of issues with boxing and the corruption and the multiple titles and the best fighters not fighting. So... Dana White has been talking about creating his own boxing league and trying to solve some of these issues. So I think the going theory right now is that somehow Dana White, Zufa Boxing, Floyd Mayweather are all going to go into business together for this first fight. Um, so, yeah, you know, I've heard a lot of rumblings you know, there's been a lot of back and forth, obviously, over the last year, year and a half, whatever, since Mayweather and McGregor's fight. You know, what what would Canelo do against George Masvidal? What would Khabib do against Lomachenko? What would Khabib do against Floyd Mayweather? What would TJ Dillashaw do against Floyd Mayweather? Uh, most recently, heavyweight division, what would Tyson Fury versus Stipe or Francis Ngannou look like. And <clears throat> the reality is, um, I've kind of came to this conclusion myself. It's just, it's two different sports. Um, Stipe Miocic is not going to go over to boxing and take out Tyson Fury. It's just not realistic. Um, it's a different set of skills. skills. You know, if Stipe was that good of a boxer he would be boxing only. He would not be in the UFC. If he was a top caliber heavyweight boxer, he would be boxing. He would be making the huge money that those guys, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, are making. So it's just not realistic. We we saw that with Floyd versus Conor. Um, you know, Floyd allegedly took that fight with Conor McGregor with zero training. Um, he basically just toyed around with McGregor for six, seven, eight rounds. And then one round turned it on and finished McGregor. Um, so I, I just don't think we can keep having this argument, these hypothetical boxer versus MMA fights in either boxing or MMA. The reality is it's two completely different sports. Um, and it, it's just not apples to apples. I mean, 
George Masvidal is not going to go to boxing and take out Canelo Alvarez, where Canelo Alvarez is not going to go to MMA, where you can kick, you can grapple, you can do jiu-jitsu, and take out George Masvidal. Um, it just, it's not realistic. So with this Mayweather thing, I, I've heard a lot of talk about, hey, maybe Mayweather's going to fight Khabib. Maybe he'll fight Connor again. Um, I don't want to see any of that shit. I've seen how that goes. If Conor McGregor got dominated in a, in a boxing match by Floyd, I mean, how is that going to look with Khabib? Floyd is one of the best boxers of all time. Probably the best defensive boxer of all time. He's not going to get hurt. He's not going to get caught by an MMA fighter. Um, it's just, it's silly. It's nonsense. It's bullshit. It's not going to happen. Um, what I think is going to happen is I think Dana White is going to use Zufa Boxing and Floyd Mayweather um, together to springboard his new organization. And I think the most realistic fight is going to be Floyd versus Pacquiao 2. Floyd versus Pacquiao 2 is a fight that took forever to get made. And then after it finally got made, it ended up being kind of a snoozer. And, you know, just kind of a buzzkill and it wasn't the fight that everyone thought it was going to be um but since then i mean pacquiao i think is 41 or 42 he's a little younger than floyd he's been looking unbelievable so um i think if floyd really wanted to come back put his undefeated record on the line and get a gigantic payday um you know i think that's a fight a lot of people would buy and I think it's a winnable fight for Floyd um, still. I mean, he's still Floyd Mayweather, even though he's he'll be 43 probably when they fight. That's that's a giant fight. I, I think that that's a fight that both of those guys could get behind. Everyone's going to make a shitload of money. And it's going to be a legit boxing match. It's not going to be, you know, a freak show boxing match where Floyd Mayweather comes over and knocks out Conor McGregor, you know, wins $100 million and fucks off for a couple of years or where he fought that guy in Japan and knocked him out in the first round, won $10 million and you know, I think two minutes or something. Um, this would be a legit fight that fans can get behind. And I, I would be really interesting to see that fight again. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know what the plan is for Zufa boxing. If there's going to be some crossover, it'd be interesting to see crossover, you know, boxing matches between MMA fighters, you know, Dustin Poirier has kind of hinted at fighting Conor McGregor in Zufa boxing. Um, that would be super interesting. Nate Diaz versus Conor McGregor, Zufa boxing. That would be really interesting. Um, so, yeah, I think that'll probably be the strategy is to, you know, make a gigantic splash with the new organization. And then Dana will use, you know, the similar model to what he's used in the UFC to build up this Zufa boxing and get it off the ground. But um, yeah, I, I think there's got to be an announcement coming soon for that. Um, I think it was slotted. Zufa boxing was supposed to launch in late 2019 and we're almost to 2020. So it's, it makes me think that something huge is in the works since it hasn't, you know, there hasn't been an announcement and they're probably trying to work through the details and all of that. So I would expect something to be coming down the line uh, shortly for that. Um, yeah, Canelo and this is just kind of MMA boxing crossover. Um, Canelo completely shut down the fight with George Masvidal. He said, with all due respect, I've always felt that I have nothing to do in an MMA cage. I think the same goes if they get in the boxing range. They have nothing to do. But from a business standpoint, yes, it's attractive, but it's not a challenge for me. Therefore, it's not a priority. Um, yeah, exactly what I'm saying. Um, you know, I just, if they want to make a shitload of money, yes, I think that's a fight you can make. But it's not realistic uh, for George Masvidal to go in there and beat Canelo in a boxing match. It's just not reality, even though everyone wants to make these crazy hypothetical fights uh, it's just it's not not reality um so yeah i think everyone needs to just kind of stay in their lane in this crossover boxing to mma shit 
Um, the only one that I would be interested in at the moment is Tyson Fury. I think Tyson Fury has the skills to come over, especially in the heavyweight division, and put on some really fun MMA fights, competitive fights. I think his boxing is just unbelievable. There's not a lot of you know dominant wrestlers in the heavyweight division anymore with DC retiring. Um, yeah, so Tyson Fury, that that would be my one exception. I would definitely like to see him move over to MMA and come to the heavyweight division. Him fighting Stipe or him fighting Rumble Johnson, um, him fighting Francis Ngannou, all of those. I love, love, love all of those fights. So, yeah, that's um, – let's see what else. Um, yeah, TJ Dillashaw, we'll talk later, a little bit later about his interview. He had an interview, his first interview actually since being suspended for EPO. He said he would like to come back and fight Mayweather as well. Um, yeah, who wouldn't? That's a huge fucking payday. Um, if you fight Mayweather, you fight McGregor. Like McGregor says, it's red panties night. <laughs> it's a payday. Everyone's getting paid, uh, win or lose. Um, I thought this was kind of interesting. Bloody Elbow released an article, the opening odds for Floyd Mayweather versus Khabib. Floyd Mayweather would be a negative 1,500-point favorite. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, let's see what else. Okay, next, John Jones. John Jones uh, officially fighting Dominic Reyes in Houston on December the eighth. That is a great fight. Um, you know, Dominic Reyes is a guy. He's undefeated. This is going to be one of the f- a long time since John Jones has fought an undefeated fighter. Um, you know, he's got similar skills to John Jones. Maybe the grappling, wrestling's not as good, but the striking is similar. The range is similar. Athleticism, similar. Um, yeah. So I, I'm really looking forward to this fight. Dominic Reyes has been looking unbelievable on his, you know, rise up through the UFC ranks. And, I, I, you know, I think this is probably the most competitive fight right now for John Jones. I, I think he pretty much steamrolls anyone in the light heavyweight division right now. Um, you know, he could steamroll Dom Reyes, but I think this was probably the best matchup um, with the options. You know, it was kind of Dom Reyes, Corey Anderson, Jan Blahovich. Those were kind of the top three guys in the running. Um, I think Dom Reyes made the biggest statement by knocking out Chris Weidman in his last fight. So, yeah, I I think if, um, you know, it's kind of weird. He's got this fight booked with John or with Dom Reyes, but John is still going back and forth with Israel Adesanya. Um, you know, I, I think everyone was kind of predicting that fight w- will happen for sure eventually. And they were saying 2021. But, man, it looks like that is is shaping up to happen later on in 2020. Um, you know, these guys have just been going – back and forth relentlessly for the last couple weeks, ever since Israel knocked out Rob Whitaker. Um, kind of what I think is going to happen. I think, you know, John is able to beat Dom Reyes. Um, I don't think there's anyone else for him right now at light heavyweight. So I think either Israel Adesanya is going to move up and they're going to have a super fight with John Jones. Um, I mean, that could be, a fight where they could sell out a giant stadium in Africa or something like that. I, I think it would be a really, really big fight. So they have the opportunity to make that, or this is a great time for John to go up to heavyweight. You know, DC and Stipe will probably be played out by then. You've got, you know, Rumble Johnson coming back. You've got Francis Ngannou. So you've got a lot of fun fights for, for John at heavyweight. And then I think that gives light heavyweight, you know, time to play out and see if any of these younger guys rise to the top. You know, you've got Corey Anderson, see if he can put another win together. Um, see if Gustafson comes back, Anthony Smith, if he comes back, gets a win. Uh, Johnny Walker obviously got knocked out by Corey Anderson, but that would give him time to build back up. So that, that's what I think is next for John Jones. I think he'll take this fight with Don Reyes. He'll get the win. And then he's either going to fight Israel in a gigantic super fight or he's going to go up to heavyweight and start creating chaos up there. So I'm really looking forward to you know, seeing how this fight goes with Dom Reyes. I'm probably going to shoot down there 
and try to go to that live. You've got John Jones versus Dom Reyes. You've got um, Shevchenko taking on um, Caitlin Shakugian. And then you've got the Black Beast taking on Ilir Latifi. So a lot of fun fights booked for that Houston card in February. Um, TJ Dillashaw. TJ Dillashaw um, made his first interview since being suspended for EPO. Um, TJ Dillashaw was, you know, on his way to becoming probably the best bantamweight of all time. Um, you know, he, he put some, he's got some unbelievable wins. He's got two wins against Hannon Burrell. Uh, he lost a split decision to Dominic Cruz. He beat Rafael Sunsau. He beat John Lineker. He knocked out Cody Garbrandt twice. And then after that, he decided to move down to flyweight and try to become a double champ. And in the process of that, he basically said that, you know, that weight cut was just killing him. His body was giving out. Um, he didn't think he was going to be able to fight. So sometime leading up to that fight, he decided to get on EPO and he failed that failed the drug test for EPO following that fight. He got knocked out in the first round by Henry Cejudo and he got a big ban. I think he's, he got a two year ban. So he'll be 35 by the time he comes back. Um, yeah, he, he says, you know, his goal is to get back and continue his quest to become the best bantamweight and one of the best fighters of all time. And the reality is, um, you know, he still has time. And by the time he gets back, I think Bantamweight will be just absolutely on fire. So that'll be interesting to see, you know, how all that plays out. But apparently he had two shoulder surgeries from just kind of lingering injuries. And yeah, he's, he's looking to make a return and run through the division and get his belt back and get back on top. So that'll be interesting. Um, you know, in MMA, two years flies by. So, yeah, that was TJ Dillashaw. And then he, he did make a call out of Floyd Mayweather, which I think is a little unrealistic. But, you know, shoot your shot. Why not? Um, Cody, Cody Garbrandt, you know, talking shit, of course, saying this is some bullshit. He's been on EPO for years. Wouldn't be half the fighter he was without it. Cody Garbrandt, obviously one of his biggest rivals, you know, going to talk shit. That's what, that's how it rolls. Also, uh, Robert Whitaker came on Ariel's show. That was interesting. Robert Whitaker is one of my favorite fighters. Obviously just had that devastating loss to Israel Adesanya. Um, Whitaker, you know, he said that basically losing his title took a huge weight off of him. And you've seen this with Rose and Randy Couture and... Uh, Mighty Mouse, you know, former champions that once they lose their title, they just say, you know, it takes a huge, huge weight off of you. Because when you're the when you're the champion, you obviously get paid more, you get bigger fights, but there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. There's a lot of media, there's a lot of obligations, there's a lot of travel, um, and sometimes you get away from what got you there, you know. So, yeah, he said that was a huge weight lifted from him he's confident that him and israel are gonna fight again at some point you know they're both young guys we've talked about this before i think israel's 30 and rob's 29 um and he says really over about a week and a half after the fight he was over it and ready to move on which i mean it was a devastating loss for him he lost got knocked out viciously in his hometown in front of 50,000 fans, loses his title, um, you know, skyrockets Israel Adesanya to being a gigantic star. So, yeah, it was a lot. Um, and I, I think Rob handled that loss very well or as well as you could. And, yeah, he's ready to get back. Um, like I said, I, I think him and Darren Till is the best fight to make. I think that that's a huge fight that could sell out a soccer stadium in London, or, you know, a, a huge, huge uh, venue in London. And I think the UFC is shooting for a London card in March. So the timeline, you know, works out. 
Uh, both of those guys just fought. So, you know, that'll give them a lot of time to improve. And then the buildup to that fight, I think, will be huge. And for me, that, that'll probably be the the number one contender fight to get the next crack at Israel Adesanya after Yoel Romero. So, yeah, I'm all over that fight. I love that fight. I, I think that's awesome. And for Rob, he said he he really wants to go to Europe. He's never been to Europe. Uh, would love to headline a card in Europe. Um, you know, feels jinxed. His last couple fights have all been in his home country of Australia. And none of them have gone to plan. You know, he got knocked out. Then he had some injuries there. He got pulled from the card and he wants to just get out, travel the world and fight as much as possible. So yeah, Rob Whitaker, um, he predicted that, uh, Israel would beat Yoel Romero too. He says Yoel Romero will never be the same after their 10 rounds of fighting, which, um, you know, I've said about Rob, I, I think when you go to war with someone like that, for 10 rounds, I mean, neither guy is going to be the same. You're going to be compromised. You're going to lose a bit of yourself. You're going to leave a bit of yourself in there. And that's just the reality of it. So yeah, Rob Whitaker looking to get back in March. That, that'll be, that would be awesome. I would really like to see that. Um, real quick, Justin Gaethje. I heard him on Michael Bisbing's podcast. Uh, Justin Gaethje, one of my favorite fighters, one of the best lightweights in the world right now. Um, on an absolute terror, the last three fights have been all knockouts, um, and he's kind of sitting there waiting, really. Um, yeah, he's slotted at number three. You've got Dustin Poirier at number two. You've got Tony Ferguson at number one, and then Khabib is the champ. Um, yeah, so you know, Khabib and Tony are slotted to fight. You've got Dustin is coming off an injury. He's going to be out. For a while, he probably won't come back till March. And then you've got Connor coming back, you know, allegedly slated to fight Donald Cerrone, who's number four. So, yeah, um, Justin Gaethje is just kind of sitting there without a dance partner. So, you know, I, I think he'll probably wait and see what happens with the Tony Ferguson um, Khabib fight, see what happens with the Connor Cowboy fight. You know, I, I love. Justin Gaethje against the winner of Tony or Khabib. I love Justin Gaethje against Connor. Justin Gaethje, you know, like Deontay Wilder, is just must, must, must watch TV. Every single fight he's been in is chaos, vicious knockouts. He comes in there to end you, put you away, and yeah, he's unbelievable. He's one of my favorite fighters. He's 22 and 2, 17 knockouts. So, yeah, he's one of the biggest action fighters, you know, of this generation. Um, yeah, uh, and I honestly think stylistically, um, besides Tony, he is the most dangerous fight for Khabib. Um, his leg kicks, his wrestling, his takedown defense, you know, his constant pressure. Um, yeah, that that's a very interesting fight. If Tony Ferguson can't get it done against Khabib, I think... Justin Gaethje's the guy. Um, he would be the next guy in line for sure. Um, so, yeah, he said he's willing to fight Connor. He's willing to fight Dustin, but he wants Khabib. He's, you know, Khabib said he only has a couple more fights. And Justin Gaethje wants to be the guy to, to take Khabib's O, you know. So, um, yeah, it's good to hear from Justin Gaethje. Looks like he's, you know, starting to train and starting to get rolling again. Um all right, so that's pretty much it in the current events. Um, we'll run over some fights we had booked, and then we will get out of here. Short week this week, obviously. Like I said, not a lot going on, um, you know, in the MMA world. So, relatively short week. But uh, Tony Ferguson versus Khabib. This will be the fifth time they try to make this fight. Um, this is the fight that I think every MMA fan has just been dying to see for you know the last four or five years. Uh, Tony Ferguson is just the Terminator. Um, he's on a 12 fight win streak at lightweight, which is the most difficult, hardest, most stacked division in all of MMA. Uh, and then Khabib Nurmagomedov's undefeated, dominant, dominant wrestler, ground and pound, smasher, destroyer. Yeah, these guys have been on a collision course for a long, long time. And there's multiple sources that say this fight is very close to being done for April 18th in Brooklyn. 
Um, I think Khabib has signed the official bout. They're waiting for Tony to, to sign it, which, I mean, should happen any day now. So, yeah, I am pumped for that fight. That That is the fight that I am most looking forward to in all of fighting this year. That's number one on the list. That's got to happen. Got to happen. I mean, it's it's fell out several, four times before, you know, injuries, weight cuts, blah, 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 blah. It's got to happen. These guys have been, you know, gunning for each other forever. That's got to happen. I'm really, really looking forward to that. Um, next, we've got Paige Van Zandt making a return against Amanda Rebus. Amanda Rebus is the girl that just absolutely dominated Mackenzie Dern in her last fight. Um, yeah, so Paige Van Zandt, 8-4, coming off a second-round armbar arm victory to Rachel Ostevich. Um, has been out a while. She's dealt with some injuries, you know, broken arm she had to fix. Um, yeah, Paige Van Zandt, big star, you know, beautiful girl, hugely marketable. Uh, just been out, hasn't been very active, so that'll be interesting to see how she comes back against this Amanda Rivas, who, I mean, absolutely out outclassed. Mackenzie Dern in her last fight. Um, yeah, so looking forward to that. That will be March 14th in Brazil. Um, Israel Adesanya versus Yoel Romero. Uh, this is slated for March 7th is what they're working on. This will be a pay-per-view. Obviously, this will, this will headline the pay-per-view. Uh, but really excited about that. that. That'll be a big, big fight at middleweight. Um, not signed, but they are working on that. And then the last one we already talked about... Um, Tyson Fury versus Wilder. Y'all know how I feel about that. I am extremely pumped for that fight. That's February 22nd, 2020. Um, yeah, man, that, that is going to be an incredible fight. Um, Tyson Fury opens as the slight favorite, 125 favorite. Um, that's going to be a pretty close fight. I think as they get closer to the fight, that'll probably swing towards Deontay Wilder. Um you know, just because of his crazy knockout power and everything we've talked about. But, um, yeah, really looking forward to that fight. Um, that is pretty much it. So, yeah, I, I appreciate you guys for tuning in. I've, I'm working a lot on cleaning up the production, you know, putting some more effort into this podcast and cleaning it up and, you know, just trying to make it as good as it can get. But, yeah, if you would please see the show notes. There's all the links to my website, um, subscription to the shows on all major podcast platforms and continue to share. And I will continue to be here weekly, giving you all the news I can. And I'm really enjoying doing this. So thanks everyone for tuning in. I will catch you next time. This is Parker Keen's MMA show, episode 15, signing out. Everyone have a lovely Thanksgiving and tear it up. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Parker's MMA show. Take a moment to rate and review on Apple podcast or wherever you get your podcast and visit Parker Keen's for additional information on Parker and to stay up to date on the latest drama in the fight world. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out the show notes.